How does Christianity relate to Jungian psychology? First of all, there are Christians and there are Christians. And not all Christians are alike. And the kind of Christianity that I espouse, I, I'll tell it best by an anecdote. My father was a minister. And the rectory where we live was right contiguous with the church. And he had a library, which was not remarkable. But he had a library. His library had the writings of all the philosophers. It had the, uh, the early writings about Dime's theory of relativity and those discoveries that were just beginning to be made. It had works about all kinds of things on history. It had works on, on the Greek language. And it was a very rich kind of a library. I was attracted to his library. I could read any book in his library. I always had to bring them back. But I could read any book at all. I could read uh, atheistic philosophers because that was part of the world of thought. So it was a very open and free intellectual and spiritual atmosphere. And that's, that's, the, that's what I thought Christianity was all about. I still think that's really what it's all about. So for me, my experience with Christianity was that it was a religion in which the mind is free to explore. And that which is true will attract the mind. And you, can, you don't need to be afraid of being led astray because the truth will bring you back. There isn't something called Christianity as there was one homogeneous kind of a block and attitude and so forth and so on. That doesn't exist. There are different ways people have of exercising their Christianity. So I'm talking now about the kind of Christianity where the mind is free to explore as it will and confident in the ability of the truth to bring the mind back to its proper center. I think that's a very important distinction because nowadays the, the more fundamentalist aspect of Christianity, while it certainly has some fine things to commend it, is, but it's, 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 it's sort of taken the stage and so many people identify Christianity with Christian fundamentalism. And now the Christian fundamentalists do not care for Jung. I think the fundamental point of view of Christian fundamentalism is the psychology and probing of oneself is, is not only not necessary, but I think they would have a negative view of it. Because if you start probing into the unconscious, you meet all kinds of things, you know. You meet all kinds of shadowy realities and, and this and that and the other and God only knows what you'll meet. Now, and so I think their attitude is rather than explore those things is to shut the door on those realities. Now as soon as you begin shutting the door on certain things then you have to narrow your scope down. And I think that's what fundamentalism does. I think it's what fundamentalism does in any religion. Now with the kind of Christianity I espouse there is no conflict because of the reasons that I gave you. But with others, there would be. And they would identify somebody who probes the world of dreams. They might have very dark things to say about such a person. Although was a, the, the Bible itself had a different point of view, you know. The Bible was filled with dreams. And there's a quotation from the book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and sent for Daniel to interpret the dream. And the king said, why did I have this dream? 
And the answer that Joseph gave was, the dream has come to you, O king. You know, Daniel, not Joseph. The dream has come to you, O king, in order that you may know the thoughts of your inmost mind. Now that's exactly in that one sentence is the theory of contemporary Jungian type depth psychology with regard to dreams. But that aspect, that, that very open and exploring aspect of, that we find in the many places in the Bible is not always well represented in what you might call the general way of looking at things. Now, on occasion, for example, you, you criticize Jung's ideas on evil. Oh yes, I don't agree with Jung on those things. I turn the same probing mind to my Jungian mentors and to Jung himself as I do anywhere else and I'm not a slave to what Jung felt and believed, and Jungians aren't expected to be a slave to what Jung felt and believed. And uh, Jung did have a, a sort of a way of, of dealing with the, the nature of evil, and he made ambiguous statements about the uh, confusing statements, and, and, and spoke of God and uh, God had been good and evil and darkness and God and things like that. And really, he never clarified those things very well. And he was deaf against the one of the Christian viewpoints about evil known as the, of the Hatio uh, Boni, which is a thing that says that evil has no reality in itself. It's the deprivation of the good. And he, uh, he, he felt that it was a very dangerous standpoint to have because it minimized the reality of evil. And so, in, in that sense, he, he disagreed with a good deal of the Christian point of view about it. But I defended the doctrine of the Provatio Boni, but rather enlarged the scope of understanding of it. And the, the and I've gone into this in some of my writings. So there, you see, I, I don't agree with you. I don't see evil as an, an integral part of God see it as something allowed for the higher purposes of God. And in that respect, I differ from Jung. Jung's epistemology of the knowledge of God would be that the knowledge of God is mediated to consciousness through the, through the self. The self is the archetype of God. And that's the way that one knows the nature of God. And he would tend to to, to nullify theological speculation. And his argument would be that the self contained both good and evil. Now, first place, I don't agree with his premise that the only way to the knowledge of God is through the archetype of the self, the archetype of order and completeness within the psyche. He had sort of an encapsulated kind of a epistemology. And I don't agree with that, nor do I agree with his premise that the self is, is a com compendium of good and of evil. It's a, he confused the words light and dark with good and evil. And yes, in the image of totality that the self represents, there's light and there's dark. But dark is not, you see, intrinsically evil. It's indeed the complement of light. One wouldn't know there was light if there wasn't also dark but it's not tantamount to evil. Now this is where Kunkel comes in. Because Kunkel said, evil does not come, genuine evil does not come from the self, 
it comes from the ego. And to the extent that the ego is in an egocentric state, it partakes of the nature of evil. And that's what, uh, so I remain a Conchillian because he has that emphasis on the importance of the ego itself. In Jungian psychology, the ego is, uh, we sometimes get the feeling that the main function of the ego is to observe the self and that it's not an active agent of its own. So I would see that the, to the extent that human beings are, are egocentric, the ego partakes of the nature of evil. And that's not a Jungian position, that's Kunkel's position. We have to have a, a, a broad definition of individuation. The narrower definition of individuation is that individuation comes as one becomes increasingly psychologically conscious and then one individuates. And there's certainly a lot of truth to that. But that's by no means the only way people individuate. They, they can individuate very well without any formal psychological approach. It's in the long run, it's how one lives one's life and how you meet what comes up in life that leads to individuation. And it can't be encapsulated in the Jungian idea of a, of a purely psychological individuation. And I think that the real individuation takes place not only as people become more psychologically aware of who they are, but it takes place as one meets life. And especially as, as one meets the dark side of life, at the difficulties of life. So one of my particular spiritual heroes was James Stockdale. Do you remember James Stockdale? James Stockdale was an aviator who was shot down in the, uh, let's see, there's so damn many wars nowadays, you can eliminate the dam if you like. It was during the Vietnamese war, the, yeah, in Vietnam. And anyway, Stockdale was incarcerated in solitary confinement for many years. And finally, when that conflict was over, he was released. And uh, he, he has written up his, his episode there. I conjectured to myself that I would have survived possibly for a week, never for more than two weeks. Of course, you don't know. Maybe if I'd been in that, I would have done better than I think. But he survived for something like eight or ten years and emerged a healthy man. And he tells how he did it. And the bottom line as to how he and others who survived is, he says is, we lived for others. And that's how we survived. We lived for our comrades. And that's how we did it. Now, that's individuation too, you see. And it's, it's individuation through having been in the fire. And anything that was weak got burned away. And the self emerged in the we-ness of those men who shared the same experience. And that gets back to Kunkel. Kunkel said there was a we. The we, he said, comes when the egocentricity of the individual is no longer there. Then one can have a true we relationship with one's comrades in life. And see, that's something Jungian psychology lacks. Kunkel's psychology included it. Experiences like the one I dwelt upon here bring that about. So I have a broader feeling for individuation 
then I think that that Jung had, I feel his, 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 his point of view was too narrowly psychological. And, and important though that is, and that these, these other factors had to be contributed. Now, I'm not putting down the psychological, the importance of gaining insight and understanding and identifying our complexes and understanding our ego psychology is tremendously important. And people who don't have some of that aren't going to get very far in their spiritual life. And they aren't going to get very far in their relationships with others. But see, I think I'm trying to get across here, I have a much more composite, larger view of how this process of individuation takes place. And at some point, the, the more narrowly psychological meets up with something that can only be called the spiritual. And that has to take us further. And what about from the Jungian side? Do you think there's any real interest in a dialogue with Christianity, or is... Well, I don't know how one can generalize about that. I suppose that... I would think that among lots of Jungians, there would be a lot of interest in a... Yeah, I think they would be very interested in a more of a dialogue with, let me say, the organized Christian position. Um, I don't know how open they are to it. I, I think there are certain prejudices and biases that, that they carry into it. There's not enough discrimination from Jungians about that there are many different ways of being Christians, you see. I'm a Christian, but I don't think like fundamentalists think, you see. I'm just light years away from that for the reasons that I've explained. It's a totally different attitude, totally different psychology. And I don't think many Jungians are sufficiently aware of the diversity of of attitudes that people call Christian. If you had talking to people who are, have a sort of budding interest in this dialogue, what's your advice to them? Well, I suppose if they were really interested in this dialogue, my advice would be to get some analysis if they haven't had it already. Because you can't really go very far in this dialogue without having having gone through your analytical process, be like talking about swimming without having learned how to swim or something. It's not a very good image, but something like that. So I would have that. Let's see. What other advice would I have for people who are interested in that dialogue? I would certainly encourage the development of an attitude which is capable of and willing to just look at something to see what it is. Not many people are willing to just look at something to see what it is. They already have a resistance or a preconceived idea or whatever. And then, then one is blind to what is really there because of these preconceived ideas and things. So. It, would take, it takes that kind of a cultivation to be able to stand back and say, now, what is this thing really, you know? What is it really? And be objective about it and open to it. And that also takes, I think, a certain amount of, a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of ego strength.